Masks of Sanity podcast may have graphic and disturbing content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Masks of Sanity podcast, where we discuss people who hide behind fake faces, and we start each episode with a shot. Um, uh, here we go. Cheers to local nut jobs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're cheering to them, but they're making me drink right now, so uh, they give us something to talk about. Give us something to drink about. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? At least it didn't fall down my face this week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we should have chilled them first. Okay. Uh, maybe we should just keep that tequila in my freezer. I think that's smart. All right. <laughs> I mean, so we can chase worse. it with this Zimpendel wine. Oh, yes. We also have wine. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you react like that to tequila. And I've gone to brownies quite a bit with your ass. And I drink a lot of tequila. That's all you drink. I know. It literally just shot up my nose. Well, I can't drink anything else that I like. I recently found out, listeners, that I am gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant or whatever you want to call it. So I can't just have a normal beer, which is what I usually go to. But oh well. We're slowly turning into true crime obsessed. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Chaser of wine. I'm good with this. That mixed weird. It did. Still mm. good wine, though. We actually have a great idea given to us by Amber's husband. He gave us a D20. For those of us who are listening who are not gamers, a D20 is a 20-sided die that you roll usually in D&D. And because we're nerds, we know exactly what that is. And so how we're going to do this is she is going to roll onto her son's baby blanket. And we can roll it on the carpet. Oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. Well, whatever finesse feels you right. That was not. <laughs> That's not the proper term for that. No, see, what's really funny is you use these for D and D. Me and Ryan, before we got fancy life counters, we use these for our life total on Magic: The Gathering. Oh, see, I don't play Magic. I don't know what that means. Yeah, no. Uh, you start off with a certain amount of health, and then you just roll it down. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so she's going to roll it. If it's an even, then I go first. If it's odd, she goes first. So, I guess I'm going first. Yep. So she'll probably get my notes up. With your super long story. Yes. Okay, so open up your drive so you are ready to see pictures of these deviants when I call them out. Okay, getting there. So, first of all, while she's getting that up, I want to thank my homie Jeff from work. I don't want to use last names because I'm not trying to get people stalked, but he actually gave me this book that I am blanking on the name. Cramp. Well, it's about this, about this case. Cramp. Cramp. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so the case that I chose was the Shonda Sherer murder case. Um, For those of you who do not know this case already, 
It is a horrendous case. Absolutely horrendous. So fucked up. It is so bad. And I'm pretty sure I, I know quite a bit about it, but I'm pretty sure you're going into more details that my little 10 year old self did not know from my grandmother's ramblings. Like this, this case. So this case happened in 1992. So this is before I was even born. Same. I was born a year later. I was born two years later. So I keep forgetting you're younger than me. I'm the old bitch in the group. You're the oldest person in the group. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, no, Tommy. Tommy's the oldest. Um, so yeah, that, this is a really, it's a tough case. Shonda Renee Scherer was born on June 6, 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky to her parents, Stephen and Jacqueline Scherer. Um, so her parents divorced whenever she was younger, but she still had a very good upbringing. Her parents, you know, while they were divorced, they still had a pretty good communication and all that fun stuff. Um... Shonda was very sweet. She was well-rounded. She loved to do cheerleading, volleyball, softball, basketball, all over. Just a really sweet girl. Uh, whenever her mom divorced for the second time, she moved her and Shonda to New Albany, Indiana in 1991. So this is a year before her tragic death. And um, for those of you who are not in the area, New Albany is right across the river from Louisville. Um, it's like, what, like a 10-minute drive from downtown? Yeah, if that. If that. It's it's a really short drive. You just take 64. Over a bridge, <laughs> and then you're there. Through the woods. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, whenever she moved to New Albany, she started going to a school called Hazelwood Middle School. Um, she was really desperate to make friends there, and one of her friends was trying to break up with her, ex- her, her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend. And she, I guess the guy had given her a ring... And Shonda said, you know what, I'll, I'll give this guy the ring back so you don't have to deal with it. So she went up to this guy, tried to give back the ring, and the boy's cousin, Amanda, was standing nearby. She saw the whole argument go down, and she ended up picking a fight with Shonda. I think it was just like she just shoved her, and mm-hmm. she fell down, but um, it landed her in detention with Amanda, and... Um, so at first the girls didn't like each other because obviously they got into a fight, but while they were in detention together, they ended up like developing a pretty genuine friendship. And soon the friendship led into a romance. Hmm. So even though they were having this romance, technically Amanda was in a relationship with a girl named Melinda. Uh, so Melinda was, uh, I don't know, like their, their relationship's really hard to explain. Because they were kind of drifting apart, um, Melinda and Amanda, but they never actually broke up. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, I'm going to be throwing a lot of names at you guys, and I really apologize for that. But, no, I'm going to go into Melinda's background. This is another thing that was really hard with this case, is trying to figure out when I was going to tell the story and when I was going to tell the backgrounds. Yeah. So, I'm sorry guys, this is going to be really hard to listen to. Melinda Loveless had a really awful childhood, so her mom repetitively raped and pimped out by her dad. God bless. Yeah, so, like, he would have his friends, co-workers, whoever raped this woman. She was raped by her husband, like, repetitively abused. Oh, the mom. Yes. I was worried it was the daughter. No, 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 I'm sorry if I worded that weird. The, the mom was raped, but the daughters, like, overheard it. They were in the same house whenever this was happening. So just as... Just as awful. Yeah. Just as awful. They were being 
submitted to a rape atmosphere, even though it was not them technically. Well, we'll get into it. So, because of this, like, her mom committed, well, attempted suicide multiple different times. Um, the dad wouldn't stay loyal to her at all. And once he hospitalized Melinda's mom because he said that he was going to go out and try to, like, get with some girl, and she got mad, and he pretty much attacked her. Um, there were rumors after the whole case came out, um, and the, and Melinda was going through trial for everything, that he had molested all three of his daughters. Melinda had two sisters. And apparently he slept in the same bed as Melinda until she was 14. And only then did it stop because... She aged out for him. Well, no, because of the divorce. Like, oh. finally, he he filed for divorce after um, her mom, like, attacked him with a knife. I mean, go for it. Yeah, but he's the one who filed. Like, I feel like she should have filed. She should have filed. So, but, yeah, I attacked him with a knife, but he's this terrible, yeah. terrible person. Exactly. So, literally, the only reason he stopped sleeping in the bed, same bed as his 14-year-old daughter, is because they got divorced and he moved out. Um... So that's a little bit about Melinda. I kind of might, I don't want to say justify her actions by any means, because everything that she follows up through with, that wasn't the right words, follows through with, that's what I was trying to say, um, with this murder, she, it's not justified by any means, but I feel like maybe if you see kind of her background, you might see why she was so... Which one on these mugshots is she? Melinda Loveless is the top left. So she's the one smiling. She's one of the two smiling. Yes. With the curly hair? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is Melinda. So she was proud of what she did. Yeah, I don't feel like she felt any remorse. I honestly do believe that that is because of her upbringing. Oh, yeah. Just the environment that she is brought up in. Okay, so jumping back to the timeline. So Amanda... And Shonda started, like, this romance. They ended up going to a school dance together, even though I believe that Amanda lied to Melinda mm-hmm. that she was going to the dance at all. But Melinda kind of caught on, and she and her friend ended up going to the dance anyway. And they saw Shonda and Amanda dancing together, and there was a huge confrontation at the dance. Mm. And after that point, uh, Melinda started... Dating an older girl just to make Amanda jealous, she started threatening Shonda, discussing killing her, like, in public. She would just be like, yeah, I want to kill this girl. And a lot of people just didn't take it seriously at the time. Um, So after all these threats were made against Shonda's life by Melinda, Shonda's parents transferred her to a Catholic school to get her away from Amanda and Melinda and the whole situation. Um, After the transfer, Amanda continued writing letters to Shonda, Mm-hmm. And after some time, Shonda kind of, you know, she she was getting involved in her new school. She yeah. was moving on with her life. She was, I think she started actually dating a boy at this point. And so she stopped responding to Amanda and Amanda was getting very upset about it. She didn't understand it. And I mean, she, was, middle, she wouldn't stop. They're middle mm-hmm. school girls. They are. Like, I have a middle school girl. It, mm-hmm. it Learning the world sucks. Yeah, it does. Especially at that age, you're going through puberty you're going through everything well and so shonda was 12 but i think uh, melinda and amanda were 14 or 15 at this point um whenever shonda and amanda first started their romance i believe the age difference was 12 to 14 but then after that really genuinely started and she moved away and like she moved to catholic school i'm, I'm pretty sure that amanda was 15 at that point so, okay. that, I mean, think of how different you are from ages 12 to 15, developmentally, mentally. It's vastly different. It's vastly different. And it also, 
depends on what age they hit puberty and everything as well, because some girl, uh, every girl is different. Girl, I was young. Oh, I was too. I was so young. I was fresh out of elementary school. Yeah, I was fifth grade. But we can Oof. get into that later. It was so, right after. Um, so I kind of want to introduce the other girls that were kind of involved in that night. So we've discussed Melinda. We've discussed Shonda. Um, we really don't discuss Amanda that much. She comes in the very end, but she really wasn't involved in the actual night that everything happened. Mm-hmm. So the other <coughs> girls um, is Tor- Tony Law. Lawrence, oh my gosh, I can't speak. She is the bottom left. The short haired? The short haired girl with the glasses, yeah. Okay. In the mugshot picture. The kind of um, looking like, uh, what's his name? Calkin from Home Macaulay? Alone. Macaulay? Macaulay? Macaulay. Macaulay. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Yes, yeah, that guy. Okay. I um, at least had his last name. I was like, I swear to God, that's his first name, but I don't want to say it. Yeah, no. <laughs> So, that is Tony. So, Tony was um, reportedly abused by a relative whenever she was nine, but nothing was done about it. Um, she was raped by a teenage boy whenever she was 14, but mm. the boy only got an order to stay away from her. He never got any, like, criminal charges against her. Back in that time, yeah. I mean, yeah. that still happens today, though. It does. It's really hard to prove those things, but it just infuriates me whenever people yeah, say something does. happened. Although, I completely understand, like, you have to have reasonable doubt, all this other stuff, but whatever. Um, <coughs> but I mean, even sometimes when you have reasonable doubt, you don't have reasonable doubt. Yeah. Like it's still freaking hard. It even is. to this day. And imagine back then it was when she was that little. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure all these girls in the mugshots, they fell between the ages of 15 to 17, 16, 17, one of those two. So okay. they were mid ish teenagers. Um, and then Tony, she became promiscuous and began to self-harm and attempted suicide in eighth grade. Poor baby. So, I don't know why, like, so many different articles that I read discussed her becoming promiscuous. I mean, I don't feel like they should hold that against her. She's just a teenage girl. No, she doesn't know how to... She's feeling a lot of different feelings. She doesn't know how to have an outlet for that. Especially because she was assaulted at such young ages. That is actually really common and normal. Is she possibly didn't have an out, a positive outlet to go to for that, especially because it wasn't dealt with. Exactly. So her becoming promiscuous is probably just something that happened from her experiences. And that was the only way that she could show any type of affection. Yeah. Because that's all she knew. Exactly. I, I completely agree with that 100%. Um, so the next is Hope Rippy. So Hope Rippy is the bottom right. She's the other one who is also smiling. Um, I don't like the ones that are smiling. It bothers me. So I'm not really sure why Hope is smiling, to be honest. Like whenever we talk to the, like whenever I tell you the whole story, Mm -hmm. it'll kind of make more sense. So Hope Rippy, um, her parents divorced whenever she was younger. Um, but the parents later got back together whenever she was nine. Um, yeah, like, there's not really much about this girl's backstory that could be traumatizing to her other than her parents' divorce, but she was younger again. Yeah, I mean... But, um, they might have been off and on in that, and that could have been maybe influential in her life. Um, and then just like, uh, Tony, she also began self-harming whenever she was 15. Mm. I mean... 
coming from divorced parents that did get back together in that same scenario, like, it's not easy, but... Yeah, I mean, I I can't... I yeah. can't empathize with that in any way. My yeah. parents are still together. Um, so all three girls that I've talked about so far, so Melinda, Hope, and Tony have all start like started self-harming, but none of them were like Lori Tackett. So if you go back to... Um, the mugshot picture. Yeah. So Lori is the top right. So Lori claimed to be molested more than once as a child. She was raised Pentecostal by a very overbearing mother. Um, so one way that Lori kind of like tried to self-express, she would change into jeans whenever she was at school. And her mom attempted to strangle her because of it whenever she found out. And like Child Protective Services were called... (coughs) And her mom agreed to, um, uh, what is it? Whenever they show up, like, unannounced. Is it unannounced visits or something like that? So, like, she still had custody of her daughter, but, like, people could show up whenever just to see. <coughs> Sorry, I needed that out. You're fine. Um, they showed up just to see that she was doing okay. Mm-hmm. So, is it unscheduled visits, maybe, is what it's called? I don't know. Something like that. Surprise. Just surprise check-ins. Yeah, pretty much. And I don't think anything happened after that incident. I'm pretty sure that strangulation was the only harm that her mom ever seriously gave her. You How know? do you do that, though? Strangle your child? Yeah. I have no clue. It bothers me. It bothers me, too. <laughs> um, so, Lori also became fascinated with the occult. Um, she pretended to be possessed by the spirit named Deanna the Vampire. Um, and she also became just, she began to self-harm starting in 1991, whenever she was dating this girl who was also very, very deep into the occult. Okay. So I feel like she might have been already involved in the occult, and then this girl just kind of amplified that. Okay. Um, the girl's name was not given. Uh, when her parents found out, they took her to a hospital, that whenever she was, like, self-harming and all that stuff. Um... Two days later, whenever her girlfriend, Antonia Lawrence, the, the bottom left yeah. girl, um, were all together, she ended up cutting her wrist so deeply that they had to take her back to the hospital. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then after she was released from the hospital, they admitted her to the psychiatric ward. She was diagnosed later with borderline personality disorder and admitted to having many hallucinations. And then she oh. later dropped out of school. So, she had a really messed up. So, I think out of the four girls, the two that had the worst upbringings were obviously going to be Melinda and Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually end up being the main cause of um, Shonda's death, death later on. Okay. Um, so, so Amanda wasn't involved with any of this, was she? Amanda was not there the night of the murder, now. Okay. Not I was getting all. confused because the girl in the mugshot up here. Yeah. And Lori. Lori. Kind of, they kind of look the same. They look kind of similar, yes. And I they got both have confused. short hair. Yeah, they've got that short hair and that more rounded Round face. face. Mm-hmm. That's why I was really confused. Like, you said that was Lori. Yeah, no. No. Lori is a completely different person than Amanda. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So, on January 10th, 1992, 
Um, three girls, Tony, Hope, and Lori, all drove in Lori's car from Madison, Indiana. I don't know why I said Madison like that, but I just did. Because it's fr- you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> That's my niece's name. I've never said her name like that. Um, so they drove from Madison, Indiana, to New Albany, Indiana, which, again, is right across the river from St. Saint- Louis. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but okay. Louisville. Um, oh my god, I'm so happy. I was gonna say, I'm so happy that you know how to pronounce it because a lot of people outside of Louisville say it like Louisville or Louisville yeah. or something like that. Yes, I understand it was named after King Louis, yeah, but it's it's you gotta let it roll off the tongue a little bit. It's just Louisville, it has, it has to sound like you have marshmallows in your mouth and you're trying to say Louisville, yes, Louisville. Louisville. It's like, uh, it's like. Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere close, but okay. <laughs> wah, wah. So, um, anyway, so they ended up driving to New Albany, Indiana, and uh, to Lori's friend's house. So, Lori was the only one who knew the full intent of the plan that night. Only, because Tony and Hope only thought that they were going to a concert, they were going to go pick up this friend of Lori's, and then drive to the concert that was going to be in Louisville. Oh, so they were un... They were unknowing. Unknowing and probably unwilling. Yeah. I want to hope. So, actually, because you said that, Tony had to be convinced to even go. Hmm. So, whenever she found out that Lori was going to be there, she kind of was hesitant because she already knew Lori's reputation of the occult. Like, she already had a bad influence. Her parents Mm -hmm. really didn't like Lori that much. And so, she was kind of hesitant, but Hope eventually convinced her to go. Um... So they pulled up to Melinda's house, and the way that she came off at first was very nice to Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony thought, oh, this girl's really nice. You know, she kept on just being really sweet. And at some point, Melinda brought up Shonda, and she just said how beautiful she was and how she wanted to have sex with her. Yeah, okay. And then she showed this knife to the girls, and she was like, you know, I want to scare Shonda. For being a copycat, for stealing my girlfriend, I want to just scare her with this knife. That's what she was telling the girls. Mm-hmm. So the girls end up getting into, um, back into, whose car was it I say it was? Lori? Sir. Yeah, Lori's car. Yeah. So they got back into Lori's car and they drive to Shonda's house. And. So I guess Hope was technically driving, which makes no sense because it was Lori's car. But anyway, Hope was driving, and which was in Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is right next to New Albany. It's pretty much just following the river, yeah. up river, up the um, high river. With New Albany, you take one bridge, and then Jeffersonville, you take an opposite bridge. Yeah. So, like, in order to get from Louisville to Jeffersonville, you take the second street bridge, or mm-hmm. you can take the toll bridge. But nobody in Louisville takes a freaking toll bridge. I think Trey does. Poor boy. I know. I mean, I understand. Downtown sucks. But, <laughs> um, and then the other one, I think you take the Sherman Mitten mm-hmm. to get to New Albany. Yeah. Because that's the way to the boat. Or the walking the bridge boat. if you want to walk instead of drive. I mean, yeah. But. Mm. So, they ended up making it to Shonda's house. Belinda told Hope and Tony to go to the door. Uh, whenever they did and Shonda answered, they said, hey, like, we're friends of Amanda's. She wants to meet you at um, the, this place called the Witch's Castle, which was this ruined house by the Ohio River. Um, like, Amanda's waiting for you there. 
Oh, I know exactly where that is. That's in Utica, Indiana. Yes, it is in Utica. So, at first, Shonda was like, you know, like, no, my parents are still awake. Come back after midnight, and I'll go with you. Mm -hmm. So, the girls go back to the car, and Melinda obviously didn't like the answer of she wasn't coming out right now. But she ended up calming down. The girls went to this concert. I could not figure out anywhere what concert they went to, and that drove me a little bit insane. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted Why? to know what concert they went to because I wanted to know how cool they were. I mean, who knows at that point? I know. I mean, it could have been so many different things. I just want to know what type of weird they were in 1992. But I couldn't figure it out. What, 1992? It was probably... For 12-year-olds and... Or I guess they were all 14 or 15. I mean, somebody had to be 16. Oh, they that's were true. driving. So Lori and Hope were at least 16. I don't yeah. think Melinda or Tony were yet. Maybe not. I don't know. There's so much going on in this case. Um, Girl, you need to hurry up on that wine. I'm almost on my second. I'm sorry. I'm talking. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. So. I don't drink wine, but that one's good. Go across the bridge. Don't know what bridge. A bridge. And drive to Louisville. A bridge. A bridge. It was probably the Sherman Mitten at that point. At probably. That, in that day and age. I'm going to act like I know what that is. Or not what that is. I know what that is. I'm going to act like I know what you're talking about in that day and age. Because I've only lived here for four and a half years. Well, it 100% was not the Lincoln Bridge, which is now our toll bridge. Yes. Correct. So it's not that. So it had to, if they were in New Albany, it was more than likely the Sherman Mitten. I'm going to trust you on that. I don't know. So. I'll probably end up wrong. The girls go to the concert and Hope and Tony get hot inside the concert. This is in January. So they go outside to kind of cool down and they end up getting in the car. Um, Two guys come up to the car, ask if they can get in to warm up. And supposedly they engage in sexual actions with these boys. There are some things that say yes, some things that say no. Honestly, I don't care. You do you, boo-boo. This is obviously, like, like, your last night of freedom. So, of course, they really don't know this yet. Um, so, they go back to Shonda's house after midnight. They ended up showing up around 1230. Um, during the ride, Melinda said that she could not wait to kill Shonda. And, of course, like, Tony and Hope thought that she was just, like, blowing it off. Just kind of kidding. Obviously, Lori knew the truth. Um, and then she, again, took out the knife, talking about how she was going to scare her. Um, Tony refused to go up to the door again, so instead Hope and Lori went and got Melinda. Melinda, um, took the girls upstairs so that she could change real quick and look cute for, you know, Amanda, because that's who she thought she was going to go see. She thought she was going to go see her ex-girlfriend or lover or whatever you want to call her. Yeah. Um, while she was doing that, Melinda hid in the back seat underneath a blanket. Amanda did? Sorry. Did I say Amanda? You, I thought you said Amanda. I thought I said Amanda. I don't Melinda. know. I'm two glasses in. So, girl, don't get too drunk before your case. I have a lot more case to go before shit. we get into this. I'm a lot louder and a lot more fun when I'm drunk. That is true. I'm about to turn you down, actually, this case. <laughs> that is impressive. Okay. So, um, so, all the girls get back into the car, and they put... I'm pretty sure the car was um, three in the front, three in the back. I think there was a bench seat in the front. Because they had three girls in the front and one girl in the back that um, Shonda could see when she got in. Which I don't know why that didn't raise red flags for her. Maybe because she knew the girls and she didn't think that this was going to happen. But she didn't know these girls. So, 
Who was all in the car? Just to make sure. It was Melinda, who was yeah. underneath a blanket in the back seat. Hope, Lori, Tony, and Shonda. So she only saw four girls in the seat or in the car because Melinda was hiding. The, maybe they had stuff like in the seat or like the blanket to where it looked like there wasn't room in the back seat, and maybe that's why she didn't think anything of it. Yeah. But I'm just saying that if there were three girls walking to the car, only one girl was in the car. I think yeah. it would be weird that three people would sit up front. But whatever. What do I know? So. I mean, we listened to a lot more true crime back then. They did not. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. Um, so they put her in the front seat and they make their way to the witch's castle. And I can't tell what time or how long Melinda waited underneath that blanket. But at some point she jumped up, put the knife around Shonda's neck, pulled her hair and started asking her questions about her relationship with Amanda. And she pretty much just asked her, you know, did you and Amanda have sex? And Shonda said yes. And I don't think she could have answered wrong in any way. She could have been honest and said yes and made this her mad. Or she could have lied and said no and possibly just angered her more. Yeah. So. I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that Melinda had possibly some type of mental disorder. There's no way that she didn't. There's, There's no, no way. way. You don't do something like this and not have some type of mental disorder. That or, I mean, develop some type of narcissistic behavior. Yeah. Because she's very possessive, apparently. Very possessive of Amanda. Unbelievably so. And, I mean, they're only barely high schoolers. Yeah. But, again, teenage girls get very obsessive. I I was thinking about some of the fights I had with girls whenever I was a teenager over stupid things such as relationships. Like... Oh, no, I was a pushover. I was literally like, oh, well, you like him? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I did not fight with people. I, I still really don't fight with fight. people. I had a lot of girls passive-aggressively make fun of me or talk behind my back on social media in a very directive way without tagging me in something. Oh, I'm... That pettiness. I was the nice goody-two-shoe. If anything, I got made, of for, made fun of for being a goody-two-shoe. I could see that. In the most, like, oh, genuine, thanks. loving way possible. I could see how people would make fun of you, even though, like, there's nothing And to I went of. to a pretty tough school, not gonna lie, but... <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> At I all. Don't. Oh, Oklahoma's a... No, I'm not gonna I mean, that. Louisville County Schools, like, the one I went to was pretty rough. I mean, it's not the roughest school, but it was pretty rough. <laughs> Stop drinking so much. You're gonna get drunk by your case. Shut up. Okay. I'll so, be more fun. I've lost where I was. <laughs> um, I didn't do it this time. Okay, so after Melinda started asking her about her relationship with Amanda, she started telling her all of these tall tales of the witch's castle. It was said to be owned by nine witches who all lived there together. It was burned down by the townspeople to get rid of them, and it's said that they've had thousands of people sacrificed and killed on that land for their rituals yeah there's a lot of parent like paranormal i'm saying this with air quotes is paranormal activity around that area yeah i don't know if it was more of like a witch hunt it it, it was 100 percent a witch hunt, but that. you know i think a lot of the stories are maybe just made up with I that mean, 
I, I don't think nine witches lived in this tiny house. And actually, <laughs> if you look at the drive, there is a picture of the witch's castle. So the witch's castle is super freaking tiny. It is tiny. Like, if you do look it up, it is incredibly tiny. There's no way that nine witches live in there together. There's no way. Not not even in the... I want to say there was like a basement cellar type thing, too. Probably. That probably matches with the structure of the house, yeah. It's, it's an old-timey, all-stone cottage. Which is very normal around here. I mean, there's an old-timey stone building in front of Bukit Abebe off Hurstbourne. Yes. And, and then... The, oh, that's a car dealership. It was a car dealership for a long time. But no, we even have a log cabin off of... What was a car dealership? That stone brick thing by Buka. That was a car dealership? It was. It was 44 Auto Mart. <laughs> I think they closed down. That tiny little building? Yes. In front of Buka de Beppo? Yes. That looks like a house? Maybe. I, there's no way that was a car dealership. On Hurstbourne? Yes. I'm pretty sure. I, my phone's dead. I would look at oh, Fuck. I have a computer. <laughs> we can look this up later. <laughs> okay. So they ended up arriving at the witch's castle, and they dragged Shonda inside of it. They bound her arms and legs. And then they taunted her by asking if she thought that she would be as pretty if she didn't have her hair, and they threatened to cut it off with a knife that Melinda had brought. Um, Melinda also took all of Shonda's rings off. Apparently she wore a lot of rings and gave them to the other girls, one of which was a Mickey Mouse ring that made, like, a song. And it was told that Hope Lily would dance to the Mickey Mouse rings tune that it played. Is that's Hope is the other one that was smiling that was not Melinda. Okay. So I mean rings were like I wanna say nineties grunge. They were. Era. So they that, were. It, it it makes sense that she was wearing that many. I agree. Um and in their taunting of Shonda Lori went back out to her car, and she found the shirt that had, like, a smiley design on it, like a smiley face. Mm -hmm. And she lit the shirt on fire, and then the girls got kind of scared because, I mean, it was pretty bright light. They thought that would drag, like, draw attention to them. So they ended up putting Shonda back in the car with them, and they ended up driving off. Um, when they were driving around, Shonda begged for them to take her back home. Of course, they weren't going to do that. Yeah. And Melinda told her to take her bra off, so Shonda... Did, because what else are you going to do? And she ended up giving it to Hope, who was driving. And while Hope was driving, Hope took off her own bra and put Shonda's on. Why? I don't know if this is a weird sex thing. I've never put another woman's bra on. Except for maybe my mom's when I was, like, eight. Sorry, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> She's Your not going to listen to this. No. Um, I don't, I mean, I can't say anything. I'm wearing hand-me-down bras for my sister, but... Your sister can wears the same size as you? Uh-huh, we're the same size. Oof. My sister's smaller than me. I couldn't wear her bras. No, yeah, no, we're the same size. She might... She might... She's a little bigger around than I am, but because a lot of ours have, like, four different adjustments, mm -hmm. I can do it to, like, the lowest setting, and it fits perfectly, like... I've finally gotten a use to the underwire again. It doesn't hurt as much. I have one underwire bra. I mean, one. I hate them still, but... I'm wearing my the sexy sh little she fit. <laughs> I still have mine, too. I need a new one. I think we mostly are going to have male listeners, so I'm so sorry, guys. Um, oh, they don't care. That's true. I'm sure they don't care. 
So we're we're that's one of our Patreon levels actually is blessed with the chested. That is one of them. We haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> but soon we are gonna get the blessed with the chested Patreon level. Yes. But you guys have to donate first to know what that means. I, okay. I have it set up. I have it set up because I figured it out. But okay. that's what it's labeled. <laughs> okay, I feel like that needs to be higher up. That can't be like the lowest bar. The blessed with the chested is up. You gotta bless us first before we get you blessed with the chested. Oof. So that sounds like a weird like OnlyFans thing. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I don't have. <laughs> I don't have I'm I'm too good of a little. I'm too much of a goody two shoes still <laughs> to even remotely even think about trying that. <laughs> so anyway, back to the girls who are murdering this poor little girl. Um, oh well. So after the weird bra exchange, they ended up getting lost and they had to stop at a gas station. During the stop, they covered up Shonda with a blanket in the back seat. Lori went and asked for directions at, I believe, just inside. And Tony walked away from the rest of the group and called one of her male friends in Louisville. Oh, fun. So So there's the Louisville connection. This is the only thing that really gets me mad about Tony's involvement in this. She literally was walked away. She had a phone. She called a friend. At no point did she call the police. She was scared this entire time. Why would you not call the police and possibly save this poor girl's life? She could have possibly believed that she would be the next. And I get that, but none of the girls were around her. Mm, Then I don't know. Cause like she literally only called this person so that they could help her calm down because she was high anxiety at this point. But I can't say that I wouldn't do the same in that situation. I mean, I can't put myself in her shoes. As a teenage girl, you make a lot of weird decisions. Like, there's a lot of decisions when I was a teenager that I would look back on now as an adult with kids myself. Yeah. That I would probably be like, why the fuck did I do that? Yeah. And, I mean, even myself having teenage kids, I sit there and I'm like, oof, I hope they don't make the same bad decision I did at that age. Right. Like, it's, you don't think clearly in these situations. You don't. You don't. And she and was scared. She and I was get that. terrified. And I'm sure she thought that she would be the next victim. Yeah. So she was probably saving herself. And I get that. And I mean, at the cost of somebody else that shouldn't have died as young as they did. But that's very true. You don't think in those situations. We never know what we would do in those situations. You think we would do the right thing, but we might do something opposite. That's true. Okay. I I accept your explanation and we will move on. (laughs) So... Um, so they get back in the car and they drive around some more and then they got lost again. So they go to another gas station. Lori and Hope saw these two guys that they actually knew. I'm sorry. They lived there and they got lost. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they didn't have GPS. They were on these back roads. They didn't have cell phones. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but I will say, even though I live in the privilege age with GPS, like, as soon as I remember a route, I'm like, all right, I got it. I don't think they were driving anywhere that they knew. They were driving on back roads because, again, they can oh, kidnap this girl. They couldn't drive down highways. 
There was a girl without a bra on in the back seat with a knife to her throat. That's true. And it was also really late at night, so the fact that they were driving at all that late probably would raise suspicion. So, after they got lost again, they went to the second gas station. What that? I can't read that. But God dang, you need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> So, I put officially insane is the $5 level, and then blessed it with the chest is 10 Yes. Okay. We can cut that. I'm sorry. I just threw us all off. It's fine. We can, we're going to have to cut it because we're already at 46 minutes. We haven't even gotten to the actual murder part. And we haven't even gotten to my story. I know. We're going to have to cut so much. And I'm already two glasses, almost two glasses in. Okay. Calm yourself. Okay, so at the second gas station, Lori and Hope saw these two boys that they already knew. Um, Lori said that they were having problems with the car. I actually explained as why they were there. Mm-hmm. And the boys asked if they needed help, and she's like, no, 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 like, we got it. Don't worry about it. And they got in the car and drove off. So, like, that's not suspicious, but whatever. <laughs> that's, um, yeah. So they drove to this, like, edge of woods near Lori's house in Madison. Um... So Hope and Tony stayed in the car, and Lori and Melinda made Shonda strip naked after they got her out of the car. Poor baby. Melinda beat Shonda with her fists and slammed her face into her knee. Um, God dang. I forgot to do the warning, so I have to go through this and add the warning later. Um, uh, so whenever she slammed her face into the knee, it cut Shonda's mouth on her braces. Oh. Um, then Melinda tried to, like, slit her throat, but the knife that she brought with her was too dull. At this point, Hope got out of the car to hold Shonda down. So this is the first thing that Hope really did that was, like, incriminating in her case. So, yeah, that just makes her an accomplice at that point. Tony's still in the car. The rest of the girls are outside the car. Hope is holding her down. And Melinda and Lori take turns stabbing Shonda's chest with this knife. Oh. Um... Then Melinda and Lori strangle Shonda with a rope and made her unconscious. Um, then they placed her in the trunk of the car, and Melinda and Lori told Hope and Tony, because Hope, I think, had gotten back in the car while they were strangling her, um, that Shonda was dead, and the girls believed her. So the girls drove back to Lori's home. They ended up getting soda and changing, and then they heard the screaming from the trunk. And Lori went out... Uh, with a paring knife and stabbed her several more times and came back into the house completely covered in blood and had to change again. Oh, my God. Um, at 2.30 a.m., Hope and Tony stayed behind as Melinda and Lori went out, quote-unquote, country cruising. So they were just driving around um, trying to wait for her to pretty much die. And every Jesus. single time that Shonda started crying or making, like, these gurgling noises, they would get out and they would stab her or hit her with a tire iron. And Lori stopped the car to beat her up multiple times, and she actually asked Melinda after one of the times to smell the tire iron after she had hit her. So I don't know if it smelled like like metal, because you know how like blood will have like a metallic smell to it? Yeah. But she asked her multiple times to smell it. Um, Melinda and Lori returned back to Lori's house, where um, Hope had then asked about Shonda to see how she was. And Lori laughed, describing the torture that they had just done to her. God dang. Um, which then woke up Lori's mom, and Lori's mom got so mad that it was so late. I mean, it was after 2.30 at this point. She had these girls over, and so Lori said, you know what, I'll drive them back home. Don't worry about it. So they ended up leaving again, 
and they ended up driving to this place that was was like a burn pile, and Hope ended up spraying Windex into Shonda's wounds and taunting her, saying, um, you're not looking so hot right now, are you? I don't know why Hope all of a sudden gets so mad, because she wasn't even involved in this in any way prior to this night. Um, It's probably hearsay, then. Probably. I don't know. So then the girls load her back up into the trunk, and they drive her out to um, a gas station near Madison Consolidated High School. They emptied a whole two liter of Pepsi, and then they poured gas into that. Um, And then they ended up driving out to Lemon Road off of U.S. Route 421. Uh, Tony again stayed in the car as Lori and Hope wrapped Shonda's body in a blanket and carried her to the field. Mm. Um, Lori and Hope poured one liter of gas onto Shonda and set her on fire. All the girls drove away, and Melinda was not sure if Shonda was completely dead and she wanted to make sure, so they drove back, poured the last liter of gas onto Shonda, and lit her on fire again. So, after that point, the girls drove to McDonald's at 9.30 a.m., and they joked about how Shonda's body looked like one of the sausages that they were holding. Oh, man, I cannot eat a sausage biscuit tomorrow. Yeah. So then, Lori drove Hope and Tony home, and Lori and Melinda ended up calling Amanda, and they said that they just killed Shonda, and of course Amanda was like, no, you didn't, whatever. They showed Amanda the bloody trunk. Amanda asked to go home immediately, but whenever she got out, she ended up kissing Melinda, and she said that she wouldn't tell anybody. I hope she lied. She did not. Uh, so I was rooting for you. The That morning, whenever all this was going on, the McDonald's thing, her, them showing Amanda, two brothers discovered what they thought was a mannequin was set on fire. Oh. It's never a mannequin, guys. It's not. It's never a mannequin. I mean, unless it's that one in a million chance it is. It's not a mannequin. And still. then it's still fucking It's still scary. not a mannequin. It's still terrifying. Um, so the brothers called the police. Um, the cops thought it was a first a drug deal gone wrong instead of the locals doing something. Shonda's dad noticed her missing. Um, he called all of their friends, family, you know, Shonda's mother, anything you would do if you saw that your child was missing. And then they ended up fly- filing a missing persons report at 1.45 p.m. Well, that's pretty damn quick. There's still a lot of places that require, oh, well, you need 36 hours. Or thir- I mean, whatever the three days. They might have not made that rule at that point. I mean, and it was also a 12-year-old girl. I feel like that's a little bit different. I feel yeah. like 36 hours is, like, an adult. I feel uh, like yeah. children are pretty fast to be Ch- filed. Yeah, that's true. She wasn't. Was she 12? She was 12, so she couldn't drive on her own. Like, there's only so many places she could go. Oh, she was a baby. Yeah. So they ended up filing that that afternoon. Um, Tony and Hope ended up going to the sheriff's office at 8.20 p.m. that same day, and they started rambling out their statements and telling what happened. They ended up identifying the victim as Shonda, and they named the two other girls involved, which, bravo to both of these girls. So proud of you for turning yourselves in because of your guilt. Um, the police obtained dental records and positively ID'd Shonda as the victim, and I'm pretty sure they actually told the parents that it was Shonda before they even got the dental records confirmed. Oh. Because they confirmed, because the girls that were involved confirmed it. They confirmed the location of what they did to the girl. They were able to give description of what, everything that was done to her. Uh, And they could pretty much be like, the likeliness of them making this up isn't very likely. Um, her poor parents. So I couldn't imagine. 
All of the markings that the girls had said that they had done to Shonda matched up, except for one thing that the girls had never admitted to was they could tell that she had been sodomized. Um, a blunt force object was inserted three and a half inches, which I believe was the tire iron. Which is probably why, was it Melinda wanted them to smell it? It was Lori asking Lori. Melinda to smell it. All four girls were charged as adults. Um, to avoid the death penalty, they all took plea bargains. Tony was sentenced to a maximum of 20 years because, I mean, all she really did was she was there. She was just, she... She never held her down. She never hit her. She never did anything. She was she more, in the car. Yeah, she more or less just didn't say anything. Exactly. So her only count against her was one count of criminal confinement. That's all that was counted against her. And she only served 10 of those 20 years, and she was released December of 2002. Um, so not that far. No. No. She still got to live. Yeah. So I wasn't... Hopefully. I mean, she was only like 26 years old at this point. Yeah, but hopefully she got the help. She was my she, age. Yeah. Hopefully she got the help she needed after all of that, though. Yeah. Hopefully. So talking about hopefully, hope was sentenced to 60 years. Oh, my God. Um, she Her sentence was reduced to 35 years. I didn't really couldn't find out why, but it was reduced. And then she only served 14 of her original 60 years, and she was released April 28, 2016. Sorry, 2006. Holy hell. She was released <laughs> April 28, 2006, and she had five years of parole up until April of 2011 when she was finally released. Um, Lori. Oh, I remember that because I graduated high school then. And oh, that's yeah. what I remember is my grandmother going on about, about how she was released. At how she was time. released. And she was like, I can't stand it. How, how, blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, 14 plus five, 19 years of 60, only served 19. That's it. <sighs> so about to get more mad. So, cause those were the two girls that least involved. Tony pretty much was just there for it and hope held her down and taunted her. Like, they never actually caused her physical harm to where it was, like, killing. Other than Lori did help, or not Lori, Hope ended up pouring some of the gasoline. Which was whatever. Um, oh, yeah, one thing I forgot to mention is that um, what killed her was the actual fire. They found actual... Oh, that is the absolute worst way to go. Yeah, they found such and stuff like that in her lungs. She was still... She, could she was have still been alive. Saved. Yeah, she could have been saved. Oh. There's multiple times where these girls could have stopped what they were doing and saved this girl, and they didn't. They um, could have just not lit her on fire, and she would hopefully have been discovered by those boys. Yeah, and she could have. Because I don't know what time they actually set her on fire, or what time the boys actually found her remains. Mm-mm. But, I mean, they stabbed her a lot. She might have bled out. But the girls could have... They could have stopped. They could have gone to the hospital, dropped her off, whatever, and they just didn't. Mm. Um, so, Lori... I hate it. She was sentenced... Sentenced? She was sentenced to 60 years. She was released on January 11th, 2018, on the 26th anniversary of Shonda's death. You could have at least waited two days. Yeah. No, they actually... On January 11th, which is the 26th anniversary of Shonda's death, is whenever they finally released her. And she would have been, like, 32-ish in age. Who, Shonda? No. 
Lori. That's Lori. not right. 42. Not. I can't do I was going to say, like, that's... The, I, I'm not good at math either, and that seemed really low. <laughs> so then Melinda, who was also sentenced to 60 years, she only served 27 years and was released in 2019. So all of... All of the ones that were actually involved, they served. They still could have less had a, than half. Yeah, of they their still sentence. could have had a life. They could have still had kids. They could have still done everything that they took away from Shonda. Yeah, but they, they didn't. Ugh. No, I don't like that. I really don't either. But that is the case of Shonda Sharer, the poor little girl who. Honestly, all she did was have relations with the girl, and another girl got jealous and convinced three other girls to help take her life, slowly but surely, over like an eight to ten hour period. So yeah, that is my case. So now it's time for you to speak while I drink my wine. Yes, now you get to go because I need I so much wine. After you that still case. have to work tomorrow. I don't. <laughs> Well, that was attractive. <laughs> That's my mating call. <laughs> Boys, come and get me. I am single. I'm not. Hey, girls. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> Throw it out there. Okay, so now mine is an actual full-blown Louisville native. Okay, and yours, you have pictures on the drive? I do. If you pull him up, you'll see how much of a douchebag he already is. Okay, I got the pictures. You see the guy with the weird mustache? Yes. I am not feeling it. Keep going. <laughs> I am not feeling it. Of course not. He's a terrible person. Don't. Okay. So, my case is covering Melvin Henry Ignato, more commonly known as Mel Ignato. He was born here in Kentucky. March 26 of 80 or 38. God bless. Oh, he's a old MRFer. Uh-huh. He's he's dead. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so, to start off, Mel started dating a a woman named uh Brenda Sue Schaefer, if you see on the drive. She's the one with the high hair in the couple picture? Yes. Okay. She's the girl. She's cute. She's adorable. She kind of reminds me of Courtney Cox. Yeah. So they started dating in 86. They started off with a great relationship, um, but trouble did start. Mel was a very abusive boyfriend. He, um, so Brenda decided that she was going to leave him. Okay. As you should. Um, and of course... They were living here in Louisville when this all happened. Mel was apparently deeply in love with her and did not like the decision that Brenda had made to leave him. Of course not. He figured out that she was planning to break up with him and, of course, didn't like his decision. So he reached out to an ex-girlfriend, Marianne Shore. Is she pictured? Yes, she is the blonde. Oh, okay. That's the one that I told you kind of looks a little rough. She, I don't think that was her most flattering picture. No, this was the court picture. Okay. That's her when, I think, uh, spoiler, the second trial happened. At first I thought she had a really short haircut, but I think the hair is pulled back. It is pulled back. Okay, because I was like, that is, 
a haircut. Okay. Um, I do believe there is another photo on the drive. Yep. Uh, click this one. Maybe. Yeah, that Ooh. is. <laughs> yeah, that is Brenda when she when they were arrested. So that's Mel when he was arrested, and Brenda when she was arrested. And Brenda is the blonde. Yeah, she's the okay. blonde in the in the photo that you originally saw. Neither picture is flattering. Poor no. Brenda. If you she might just be like me and just not take good pictures. I mean, I don't either. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if the bike picked that up or not, I, I kind of hope it did. <laughs> I did <laughs> Good job, Emmy. So, Mel reached out. To one of his ex-girlfriends, Marianne Shore. Okay. Mel and Mary then started their plan on Brenda. Okay. They decided they were going to use Mary's house to kill Brenda for leaving Mel. Why would the ex-girlfriend... So he go back to, like, dating her? He... Brenda? I want to assume he was probably, I believe Brenda was still madly in love with Mel. Okay. And of course he was abusive, so he was probably very manipulative. Okay. It got her to... That checks out. Yeah. To sign on to do this, to possibly be with Mel after. I mean, that's the only way that would make sense. But still, like, if a guy was like, mm, I'm upset that she left me, you should help me with this. I'm like, you got yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Go help yourself. <laughs> I'm not trying to mess up some other girl for you. Yeah, then I would be calling the police. Okay, well, I know who I can't hide a body with. Thank you for that. No, I okay. mean, for you, it's different. For somebody else, no. Um, no. <laughs> no. Again, sorry guys. I am like two glasses of wine in, and she's a lightweight. Lots of shots. <laughs> I had a shot too. I am incredible. I am incredibly bad at drinking. She's about to say, "I am incredible." <laughs> I am incredible. You are okay. So, they decided to use Mary's house as their scene of the crime. Okay. I still believe that this house is standing. I was trying to locate the house. Okay. So my grandmother always pointed it out. She was obsessed with this case. Like, let me tell you, every... Okay. She went... Every time we went down Popple Level in Louisville, she always had to point it out. Well, that's, that's where all of it happened. Okay, cool, thanks. I didn't want to know about a murder scene, and now every time I go by, go by it on Papa Level, I still look at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where she died. Is <laughs> like, your grandmother still with us? No, she is oh, not. Man, I wanted to be her best friend. I, I, my grandmother was an amazing person. She passed away almost 10 years ago. Man, like a I loved her. She was a right. Well, God rest her soul for being as weird as we are. Yeah, no, the news was a constant. Or, like, my mom is always constantly questioning me why I like this type of stuff. 
I mean, my mom doesn't because she likes this type of stuff. No, but... my mom. She's like, why are you doing My this? mom exposed me to Candyman when I was in kindergarten, so. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> my mom did not. It was my 60th, my dad's 60th birthday yesterday. Happy late birthday, daddy. And my mom was just like, why, how's the podcast? Why are you doing it? What's wrong with you? And then she acted like so like unenthused. My like, mom, you don't have to listen to it. She's like, no, oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure both my mother-in-law and my mom will think the same thing as my daughter where she thinks you can watch it. <laughs> Oh, poor sweet girl. I hope she can hear us talking about this. She's probably asleep. She can she can sleep over this? Yeah. Or right outside her bedroom door. You'd be amazed. Okay. I mean, I can... My husband can sleep through everything. Unless I nudge him in, when he's snoring. Like, he doesn't even wake himself up with how bad his snoring can be. No, but... I mean, there are two peas in a pod, honestly... She takes a lot after him, <laughs> and they can sleep. Th- they could sleep through a hurricane. Like it's ridiculous. I probably could too. My mom used to vacuum when I was taking naps. Oh, g- give me not even a half a Benadryl, and I'm knocked out the rest of the day. Oh, girl, same. All right, so back to this crackpot. <laughs> right. So they started a plan to kill Brenda Sue okay. for leaving Mel. Okay. Excuse me. They also planned on torturing her for weeks before finally doing her in. So their plan was to torture her for weeks? Yes. Okay. Their plan was to torture her for weeks. Did they have a plan as to how they were going to torture her? Mm, I don't believe so, but I get into it. Okay. All right. Keep going. So, um, they actually scream tested the house. Which is ridiculous. Scream tested? They scream tested. So Mel stood outside while Mary would be inside of the house. Screaming. Screaming at the top of her lungs to see if Mel could hear her. If he did, then they would have to soundproof more. Right. Holy boy. They did that so that way they could keep Brenda's screams from reaching the outside so nobody would call the police on them. This was all premeditated. Very premeditated. I mean, like, at least they're smart about it. I mean, at le- yes. They had more of a plan than a dull knife and a girl hiding underneath the blanket. Yes. Um, so they scream tested the house several times to make sure it would not reach beyond the walls. Okay. And then on the eventful day of September 23rd, uh, 1988... Mel and Brenda met on the grounds of, basically, Brenda came back to Mel to return jewelry that he had bought her while they were dating. Was this a planned meetup, or did she yes. just show up? Okay. It was a planned meetup. And, of course, she was just giving it back. So he took Brenda to Mary's house, held her at gunpoint, tied her up, and gagged her. He forced her to strip and took photos of her. Okay. Obsessive, but okay. He, oh no, obsessive is he ended up taking 105 photographs. 105? 
Uh-huh. 105 photographs. I don't think of... my husband had 105 pictures of me normally when we were married. Yeah, but these are, like, over the events of what they did to her. So this is Ugh. 105 photos of Documentation them. of their torture. Yes. Trust me, this guy's going to piss you off. Did because... he get off on it? Just wait. I want to see your reaction. I want to have your reaction. I don't want to tell you. I hate this. I don't like how my face is already. Keep going. <laughs> so he forced her to strip, like I said. He took photos. And he ended up sexually assaulting her while torturing her. So he sodomized her. And if you see on the drive, you see the paddle that he used to torture her with. He used a paddle to torture her. He eventually tied 36-year-old Brenda to a glass coffee table before killing her with chloroform. He killed her with chloroform? That's what it said. He killed... They killed... I do believe in massive doses, it can be lethal. Is it the one that sell? No. That one. It, this one? Mm-hmm. The Zeta Alpha... It's... it's it's a sorority one. I'm pretty... Fraternity, probably. It's probably his. Mm, I don't know. More fraternities it... have paddles than, than sororities. That's true. I don't sororities know. Sororities don't really use paddles. It's mostly fraternities. I mean, that's true. I, I was just curious because this was also placed at Mary Shore's house. So you think it was probably her paddle and not his? Possibly. Okay, so what did he... Did he just beat her with it? Did he... He beat her with it. He sodomized her. He sexually assaulted her. He did everything that could possibly tear this woman apart. With this paddle. I mean, he and, did and something In the ways himself. that he could. Okay. Yeah. So, they tied her to a glass coffee table, which, put a pin in that glass coffee table. Is it an extravagant coffee table? Is it complex? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just a box. <laughs> it's just your typical 1980s <laughs> coffee table. Okay. So, they took her to the bar, uh, backyard of Mary Shore's house where they had a pre-made grave dug for her. Did they she have a privacy fence or something? Uh-huh. Okay. No, actually, no. It was forced. Because this is back in the 1980s. It was not... Like, it super was busy. Okay. Yeah. So, eventually, sorry. Uh, Brenda Sue was eventually reported missing by her employer. She was never late. She was never... You know, one to be a no-call, no-show. Yeah. So she was a nursing assistant for a doctor, a pretty high-up-there doctor in the time. And he already pinned it on Mel. Okay. So he uh, Ignato was eventually singled out as the lead suspect. Why? Because he was... They knew he was... She was breaking up with him... She, uh, the employer knew that she, he was abusive to her, uh, I guess just being as close as he was to her. Um, authorities couldn't find witnesses or physical evidence that linked Mel to Schaefer's disappearance. Okay. 
And even her body hadn't shown up yet. They couldn't find her body. Well, no. It was in the backyard. It was in the backyard in a forest. Like, who knows how far out they went. Um, Mel eventually got the confidence to tell them that he could testify before a grand jury to clear his name. Okay. Uh, it was during the hearing that he mentioned Mary Shore for the first time, so he tried to turn this and put this on Mary Shore as kind of a jealousy revenge type thing. That's stupid. Jilted, you know, jilted lovers because women are so emotional and irrational. Um, I mean, I know I am. So, so under questions by investigators, she admitted to assisting in the murder and. Mary Shore eventually led them to where the body was buried of Brenda. 14 months after she went missing, they dug up her body. Oh. 14 months. There is nothing pretty about that. Ignato was then charged with murder. Only then. Oh, I mean, how else was he going to be charged? They had no evidence against him. And here's the thing. The trial went about as well as you might expect it went terrible like well, it yeah, was like horrible. what other evidence did they have so sure giggled the whole entire time she was on the witness stand was it like a nervous giggle i'm a nervous giggler i i mean you are a very nervous giggler <laughs> <laughs> she left a terrible impression because of that because i'm gonna guess that showed that she wasn't remorseful for what happened but everybody's different anxiety is different my anxiety is different from your anxiety yeah so it's kind of i mean you can't exactly base it on how they behave but i understand the reasoning because giggling about it makes it seem like you're not serious about it power through so the defense attorney was a high-up defense attorney. Okay. And there was super sloppy police work on this case. And they decided to acquit Ignato on all charges. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. They allowed him to go free. He got married. And he had three kids. He was so embarrassed by the outcome, he wrote a, an apology letter to Brenda's family. Yeah. Six months later, a worker was tasked to lay carpet in the hallway of Malignato's home when he uncovered a floor vent. Oh, God. Inside the vent, there there was a plastic bag filled with the jewelry that Brenda had given Mel back. Along with three rolls of undeveloped film. Oh, no. The photos proved that Shore's testimony was completely true. So, remember, they doubted her because she was giggling? because she was giggling. They doubted her, and now they found it. Oh, my God. They They found found all the pictures of him torturing and raping and sodomizing this poor woman. Yes. They found everything. I mean, thank God, but at the same time... Think of how horrific that would be. Absolutely horrific to find that type of evidence. I couldn't imagine being in his place. But the, here's the other thing is after the trial, 
her parents passed away from the amount of grief that whose parents Brenda's, Brenda's? parents okay Brenda's parents passed away not long after the trial from the heartbreak that happened the first from, trial yes oh, from losing their daughter and then not getting justice because this and they're piece not getting of shit got off yes okay so during the trial The photographs weren't clear enough to be admitted for evidence. Ignato confessed that he committed the murder at this point. He, he before the pictures were on the discovered second. Tr- no, 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 no. On the second trial, after they found the photos, he admitted that he killed her. Well, did he say that he killed her before they found the photos inadmissible in court? Like, did he admit to it before he realized that the photos weren't usable? Does that make sense? From, yeah, it makes sense. Um, it says during the trial. I'm going to guess it was after they dismissed him. Admissible. Okay. Yeah. But because of the double jeopardy rules. Okay. Mel Ignato could not be retried for the murder of Brenda Sh- Sue Schaefer. Mm. Okay. I hate this. Keep going. You're going to hate this part, too. Oh, God. Instead, he was sentenced to eight years for one instance of perjury and nine for another. Because he lied on Stan saying he did not kill her. Did he he serve the full terms? He was released in 06. Was that full terms? Or was he like my girls and only spent like half in prison? Um, I want to say it was not even that long. So, but here... Nauseating. Keep here's going. where the pen for the glass coffee table came I was going to say, where's where's the glass coffee table? He was released in 06. And two years after his release, September 1st of 08, 20 years after the men- murder of Brenda, he accidentally fell in his home. Hit his head and died? Bled out and died. Because the coffee table? On a coffee table. I love this so much. I remember when this happened. Justice. Because my grandmother was dancing. So a I little, love your grandmother. Okay. A little bit of a connection here. My grandmother's mom shared a fence line with Mel Ignato's son. Mm-hmm. And they remember seeing him outside constantly with this terrible dog he had. This, like, terror of a dog. And of course, my great-grandmother has these little schnauzers running around, so <laughs> imagine this horrible dog. Like, you know it's a mistreated dog. Yeah. So this dog was just terrible because of how he was treated. And he... I was constantly told I was not allowed to go to that back fence because they knew he was you know, visiting his son or something like that. Mm. Like, I could point you at the house. I know exactly where it is. Mm. <laughs> it was a creepy aspect. Mm, don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> so his son actually told reporters, apparently he fell and hit a glass coffee table and from what I could understand, cut his arm. They just like, Cut an artery? Oh. There's no way he bled out if he didn't cut, like... 
He must have hit that hard or broken the coffee table and had well, a shard of glass. Well, like, he was like 80-something years old. I don't care. That's still not like the arteries like laying at the top of the skin. Yeah. Like, it has to be pretty know. intentional. It, it also depends on which way That's true. If you did vertical um, instead of horizontal. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I enjoyed the instant karma that he got from that. I do wish that Brenda's parents had lived long enough to find at least the little bit of justice that they could have gotten. Yeah, they they got no justice in their lifetime, which is... No. I mean, dying of a broken heart is a real thing, and I honestly think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I just... I, I hate the double... I understand the double jeopardy law, but... I hate it in this instance because he did not get his just desserts. No, he didn't at he, all. He's one of those people that they probably should have just thrown the book at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew this was going to make you mad. It did make me mad. Like, I feel like, I don't know, both of our cases kind of made me mad. They're both kind of shit. Yeah, no. No kidding. But, again, he... I mean, mine was a little... Shorter, but again, I do know this one really well because, again, I grew up with this type of stuff. Yeah. No, I didn't know my case until, again, Jeff gave me the book and I read it and I was like, oh, this is kind of messed up. Which, by <laughs> the way, Jeff, if you want your book back, hit me up. I can give it to you. <laughs> it's on my nightstand. Um, so, yeah, those are the cases of Mel Ignato and Shonda Scherer. Both completely messed up. Yeah. I mean, Mel Ignato is one of the most famous Double Jeopardy cases. There is a couple movies made about this. Mm-hmm. I think a couple Lifetime movies and stuff like that. There's also a book out that goes more into detail about the Mel Ignato case. Um, and how the double jeopardy law worked in his favor. I hate that word. I hate that he got off with this, but technically the law did work in his favor. And Um, unfortunately that happens sometimes. Yeah. If you want to check them out, I highly suggest you do. So with that, I think that concludes our episode for the week. Yeah, I think it does. Um, Remember to check out both our Facebook page and our Patreon. um, And tune in next week for Killer Kids as our next episode topic. So I want to go into that episode from this one saying, please be aware that some of these cases with Killer Kids can be a lot more rough. Especially when it comes to children. Um, and we're talking like children, children, not like my case today. Yeah. So I want to say, if you want to skip that one, we understand. We completely get it. Although it's my good. case is pretty good. I mean, mine is too. But, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying that it might be rougher for some people than us. Are you saying that we're heartless? We're not heartless, but I think we have a pretty good way of separating and understanding that it's not okay. Oh my gosh, no, not by any means. We don't condone anything. No. 
No, don't, we do not. Don't murder people. Like, Please it's don't murder people. Be good people. Don't kill people. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>